Brandon, I'm one of the pastors here at River City. Good to have you guys with us this morning. If you are new or visiting, just want to say welcome. So glad to have you guys. Uh, like Becca mentioned, this summer we've been going through a study, going through the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is all about helping us grow in wisdom. And uh, Proverbs defines wisdom for us as skill in godly living. And so wisdom, as we've said over and over again, wisdom is not about what you know or how much you know. Wisdom is about who you know, because wisdom is about knowing God. And so what it means then to be wise, what it means to have skill in godly living, is to reflect the image and the character of God in how we act and how we think and what we believe and how we live. And Proverbs has a ton to teach us about what it means to be wise, what it looks like for us to reflect God's image and character in tons of different areas of our lives. But there is one area that is mentioned more than any other area in the book of Proverbs. And that is the, the, the tongue. It's, it's what we say. It's how we use words. It's our speech. There's almost a hundred verses in Proverbs that talk about what we talk about. That's almost 10% of the book of Proverbs is devoted to this one topic. And so that makes sense because words, they play a massive role in our everyday lives. The studies show that the average person speaks about 700 times a day. Clearly, Emma, my daughter, was not included in those studies. That would have skewed it a lot closer to about a million, million and a half times a day. I feel her pain, though. Us extroverts, we struggle with the internal thoughts, right? But words aren't just a big part of our lives. Words are an incredibly powerful force in our lives. Just think about all the ways that words have affected you. Maybe there was a word that was spoken to you or about you when you were a kid. That stuck with you. Maybe that was something that was really encouraging and good. Maybe it's something that's been, really, that's been really hard to get over. Maybe there was something that somebody said to you that really encouraged you or met you in a difficult moment in life. Maybe someone set, something that someone said set you on a new course in life or maybe just down a different aisle in the grocery store or on the Amazon shopping cart, right? Maybe there is something that you said that you would do anything to be able to, to unsay or to take back. You see, words, they have incredible power. One author I read this week, he said this, Throughout human history, our greatest leaders and thinkers have used the power of words to transform our emotions, to enlist us in their causes, to shape the course of destiny. Words cannot only create emotions, they create actions, and and from our actions flow the result of our lives. You see, words are incredibly powerful. And as we study what Proverbs has to say about our words this morning, what I want us to see is that if we want to be wise, if we want to reflect God's image and character and how we use words, then we need to understand, we need to learn how to harness the power of the tongue for the glory of God and for the good of others. We need to, if we want to be wise, we need to understand how how the power of words works and how to use them wisely. And so with that in mind, let's pray this morning and we'll dive into our study in Proverbs. Jesus, we just come before you this morning and we just say, we need you. We need you to, I need you to fill me with your spirit so that I might have words to teach that would be life-giving and from you. God, we need you to shape and mold our hearts, give us ears that can listen so that we might receive your word. God, we just come, we just say, we're dependent on you. And so we just are so excited that you promised to always meet us in your word. And so God, we just look forward to that happening this morning. We just, we just come with expectant hearts, just dependent hearts on you. We look forward to our time meeting with you. In your good name. Amen. Amen. Well, the first thing I think that Proverbs shows us 
when it comes to learning how to harness the power of the tongue, is that we need to, that that starts with understanding the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21, it says this, the tongue is the power of life and death. Proverbs 12.18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise, it brings healing. Proverbs 15.4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue, it crushes the spirit. Proverbs 11.9, with their mouths the godless destroy their neighbors. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. You see, Proverbs is telling us that our words are like food. And food, it's a necessary part of our lives, but not all food is good for you. You see, the words that we say is kind of like the food that we serve to others. What Proverbs is telling us is that that food, it can either nourish or it can poison. We've all experienced both of those things. We've all experienced the destructive, the poisonous power of words in our lives. Maybe as a kid, people called you names or they put you down for how you looked or the way that you talked or whatever reason it was. Or maybe in anger, you have said something or something was said to you that ruined or destroyed or harmed a relationship that you have. Maybe it was someone breaking up with you or maybe it was the endless you'll get them next year's after you get cut from every tryout basketball team that you ever tried out for and your dreams of being the next white Michael Jordan were slowly crushed one team. At a, okay, okay, maybe that was just me. But in all seriousness though, right, words, they have incredible power. They can be really hurtful and sometimes... It's the words that people don't say that hurt the most. Maybe growing up, the words, I love you or I'm proud of you, they weren't something that you heard growing up. Or maybe they weren't something that you heard in response to offering them to somebody else. But the tongue, it doesn't just have the power to cause pain. It can, it can nourish as well. Words are one of my love languages. So when people say encouraging things to me or write me encouraging emails, it means a lot to me. <clears throat> Anybody, just feel free, you know, send me emails, I'll be, I'll be fine. Anyways, moving on. Maybe, maybe it was your parents who just said, I love you, I'm proud of you, and they affirmed you as you trudged through those really awkward middle school years when you just really, really needed someone to just tell you you weren't weird. Or maybe it was the yes that you got when you asked somebody out on a first date or when you asked your wife to marry you, or maybe you were the one who got asked and being asked that question, which just felt incredibly good. Maybe you've been really discouraged, and a friend said just the thing that you needed to hear. I remember my sophomore year of college, I was an undecided major, and everything in my world kind of felt uncertain and unclear, and I just didn't know what I was doing. I remember my small group leader at the time, they wrote me a note and just said, you can't see a lot in the valleys of life, but the valleys are where the most growth happens. Those words really stuck with me, and what they did, they freed me up to just trust the Lord. They freed me up to to pursue Him and and run after Him and walk after Him in the midst of even not knowing where things were going and trusting that He was at work in my life in that moment. Maybe God has used something that someone said to speak to you or or to, that you felt like he was talking to you in the midst of that. I remember when I told my dad that we were considering leaving InterVarsity and, being a, and considering helping plant River City Church and being a pastor here, I wasn't sure how he would respond. And I was, I was actually kind of nervous. I thought he, I didn't have a seminary degree, and I kind of thought he would just be really skeptical about it. But I remember telling him about it. I remember just, just immediately he, he was excited and he encouraged me. And he was just really affirmed that he was, thought that that would be amazing. And I remember just those words being spoke to me. I remember God using that. As one of the many things he used to really affirm our calling to be doing this. 
You see, words, they have incredible power. They have the power of life and death. But understanding the power of words isn't just about knowing what words can do. It's also about knowing what they can't. It's also about knowing where they are weak, what the weakness of words is. Words are powerful, but they are not a substitute for action. Proverbs 14, 23, it says, All hard work, it brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 21, 29, 19, servants, can be corrected, servants cannot be corrected by mere words, though they understand they will not respond. You see, mere words or words without actions that go with them are meaningless. If you say that you love somebody, but you never back it up with your, your actions, over time it shows, and your word becomes hollow and it becomes meaningless, and, and what was once life-giving really becomes just like this jab in the side because it's hollow and meaningless. If you say that you will do something... But over and over and over again, you don't do it. The trust that you had with people slowly starts to erode. And what was trust turns into doubt or even frustration or even anger. You see, words are powerful, but they're also weak. And harnessing the power of the tongue, it starts with us understanding the power of words and their weaknesses as well. And it's because when we understand the power of something, you become discerning about how to use it. Proverbs 16, 21, and 23, it says, The wise in heart are called discerning. Proverbs um, 16, 23, it says, The heart of the wise, they make their mouths prudent. They make their mouths discerning. When I was learning to run sound in college, I remember it was just like two weeks in, I knew nothing. I was just like, thought the buttons were cool at the time, right? And I remember uh, the guy who was kind of training me had run off to do something, and I was just like looking at all the buttons. I remember flipping one of the switches, Everything powered off immediately. Subsequent, it, what it turns out is that that was actually the power switch that literally the entire soundboard and all the, like everything was plugged into this one little switch. Turns out that the light behind that button that lit up the word power was broken. So it's not totally my fault, right? You understand that, right? But I didn't understand the power of what that switch did. And once I understood what that switch did, I just like wanted to put a giant red button on it, you know, like one of those nuclear switches where you got to flip the top up, right? I knew how important that was. There was a lot of times I'd be running sound and be like, there's the power button. Don't touch that one. <laughs> not, not now. Not now, right? You see, similarly, it's when we understand the power our words have, it's we understand how to be discerning about it. We understand how to be wise and how we use them and when we use them. That brings us to the second thing that Proverbs teaches us about the tongue. It doesn't just tell us about the power of the tongue. It teaches us, shows us how to, how to use our tongues wisely, how to use our words wisely. And so the question is, how do we harness the power of the tongue for life instead of death? If the tongue has the power of life and death, how do we harness it for life instead of death? Well, Proverbs shows us that harnessing the power of the tongue for life, it involves being discerning about what we say. And before we get too far into this, I just want to be explicit about this. When Proverbs talks about the tongue, it's not just talking about the audible words that we speak. It's talking about the entirety of what we say. And that includes things we say verbally, but it also includes the things we say non-verbally. It includes the things we say online as the things we say in our real life. When Proverbs talks about the tongue, it's talking about your your texts and your tweets and your posts and your reviews of restaurants and products and all that kind of stuff. You see, words have power and influence and repercussions no matter the environment that they are spoken in. And God cares about all of those things. 
It's the single biggest piece of wisdom that Proverbs gives us about what we say is simply this. We just need to say less. We need to say less. Proverbs ten nineteen says it this way. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent, they hold their tongues. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. This one's great. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three: Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs thirteen three: Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly, they come to ruin. You see, the wisest thing that most of us can do is to talk less. When I read through Proverbs in preparation for this whole series, this is one of the themes that kept sticking out to me over and over and over and over again as I read. Funny how that works, isn't it? I'm an extrovert, and so sometimes I talk so I can think. I remember the first time I understood what it, I realized that being, there was something called an introvert, that you could have internal thoughts, that you could like formulate an idea like and decide if it was good or bad inside your own head, right? And then you could actually decide not to say that thing out loud. My mind was just, it was just blown, right? But if I'm honest, too often, I'm not just talking in order to think. Too often I'm talking without thinking. Proverbs 18.2 has really been convicting me over the course of the last few months. It says, fools find no pleasure in understanding but they delight in airing their own opinions. Man, I love airing my own opinions. (laughs) I love people to know what I think about things. I've often shared with you that one of the source idols that I wrestle with is power, and for me that often gets worked out in in wanting to have influence over other people, whether it's with my opinion or wanting to be seen as knowledgeable or wanting to be respected or seen as someone who's experienced. One of the significant problems with that is that the more opinions I express, the less each one of those things matters. And so when I want to talk about something of value, something that really is important, something that actually matters, all of the opinions I have given, they've watered down anything of value that I really want to care about, that I want to say. Often people just have tuned me out because I just talk too much. So I often speak without considering the ramifications of what I say. But the other thing that I do, maybe you're like me in this, is that while other people are talking, I'm often thinking about what I'm going to say instead of actually listening to people. Proverbs has something to say about that. Proverbs 18, 13 says, To answer before listening, it's folly and shame. You see, harnessing the power of the tongue isn't just about talking less. It's about listening more. Proverbs is telling us wisdom is not about seeking to be understood. It's about seeking to understand first. Listening, it enables us to care for others well. Listening and seeking to understand it, it prevents us from saying things that we shouldn't or saying things that we wouldn't if we would have listened in the first place. Moreover, listening well and asking God for insight, what it does is it enables us to speak God's words instead of our own. What I've found over the years is I'm pretty quick-witted, and I have a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of stuff I know about, and I can talk circles around people trying to convince somebody of something or trying to explain something. What I've realized over time is that it's only when God chooses to speak through me that something really actually happens. It's not the amount of my words that are the thing that has power. Think about the people that you think are wise I'm guessing what stands out about those people is not the abundance of their words, 
but rather the significance of the words that they do say. You see, Proverbs is telling us that if we want to harness the power of the tongue for life, we need to be discerning about how much we say, not just what we say. See, the wise tongue, it's, a, it's not just qualitative, it's quantitative as well. But Proverbs, it does have wisdom for us when, when we speak. First, when, when we speak, what we should be saying is should be characterized by truth. Proverbs twelve nineteen says, Truthful lips, they endure forever, but a lying tongue, it lasts only a moment. Proverbs 4, 24, Keep your mouth free of perversity. That's free of lying. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Proverbs 24, 26 says, An honest answer is like a, a kiss on the lips. Proverbs 10, 18, Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander, they're a fool. You see, what we should be saying should be characterized by what is true. And I just need you to hear me. What is true is different than not a lie, right? The truth is different than just not being a lie. One pastor I read this week, he said it this way, Even if our words are technically true, if we mean to deceive or mislead, it's the same as lying. You see, sometimes we mislead by not giving the whole truth. How many times did you do that as a high schooler, right? I'm just going to hang out with some friends, like 50, 60 other friends, right, at a party somewhere. It'll be, just left that small extra detail out, right? Sometimes we mislead by often emphasizing certain parts at the expense of others to get people on our side. That's what slander and gossip really is. When we've been sinned against, we often tell those stories to others. We give, the, we give true details. We just don't give all the details, do we? And we emphasize the details that make others look bad and make us look good. You see, the truth in our words, it's sometimes hard for us to admit. It's also sometimes hard for others to hear. But Proverbs is clear that while lying, a lying tongue is often easier to listen to, it only hurts us and others. Instead, Proverbs says uh, what, what we say should be characterized by, by being about the nourishment and the instruction of others. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous, they nourish many. Proverbs 16.23, the heart of the wise makes their mouths prudent. Their lips promote instruction. You see, wise words, words that reflect the image and the character of God are words that nourish others, that build them up, that instruct them. Sometimes the truth is painful. Sometimes being a friend means saying difficult things to one another. But when we love someone, when we, when we want their good, then, we're, then we pursue saying even difficult things in the midst of that kind of stuff because what we do is we actually care about that. Proverbs 27, 6 says it this way, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy, they just multiply kisses. If your friends have never said anything difficult to you, that's revealing. Sometimes it's revealing about your friends, and sometimes it's revealing about you. You see, broccoli, it doesn't, it doesn't ever taste good. It, it's barely tolerable if it's coated in nacho cheese, right? Or like nacho cheese plus some ranch, maybe, right? But, but the, 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 the sad fact of the matter is that while broccoli is terrible, it's actually like one of the single most nourishing things that you can eat. There's like more vitamins and riboflavins or whatever they are, right? There is more of the good stuff in broccoli than there is in like a thousand pizzas, which is just so sad, right? I remember growing up, my mom, she'd always make us eat our broccoli, and I hated it. But it was the nourishment that I needed. Now I make my kids eat their vegetables. Some things never change, do they, right? 
But what we need and what is good for us is not always easy. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always taste good. But in the end, it is good for us. One last thing. For our words to be nourishing for others, they can't be about us or for us. Oftentimes, I know in my own life, when I've been hurt or when somebody I love has been hurt, I want to teach somebody something. I want to teach them a lesson. <laughs> Sometimes that's just by telling them how they've hurt me or how they've hurt somebody else. So the, I just, they just need to be aware, right? And sometimes that is good and right. But oftentimes what I need to do is I need to make sure I'm checking my own heart because uh, too often I know for me what happens is I, I want them to be aware of their sin because I want them to feel guilty. I want them to know they've hurt somebody else. It's not that I want their good. It's not that I want their maturity. It's that I want them to know that, they've, that they've, they've hurt or been hurt. You see, when our words are about us or ultimately for us, when they're coming out of a place of anger or hurt, then it's never going to be instructive. It's never going to be nourishing because it's really just about us. And so harnessing the tongue for the power of life, it involves being discerning about what we say and And so we can speak less, and we can speak truthfully, and we can speak for the good of others, and we can still cause harm if we're not discerning about how we say it. You see, harnessing the power of the tongue is not just about what you say, it's about how you speak as well. How we speak matters as much as what we say, sometimes more. The tone and the posture of our words, they play a huge role in our speech, and they they often set the tone for what it's like to be around us. Proverbs 15, 1 and 4 says it this way, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 16, 24, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bone. Proverbs 12, 25, Anxiety, it weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Gentleness, it turns away Wrath, gracious words, they are soothing. My friend Aaron, he's the other pastor at the church here, he's often modeled that well with me. He's often brought things up in my own heart that he sees in my life or my character or my attitudes or whatever it is. He's often brought things up to me in a way that is gracious, in a way that is gentle, in a way that assumes the best, in a way that gives the benefit of the doubt. And the way that he has brought that stuff up in my life has has made it so that I could hear those things. You see, so often, especially when our tone and our posture is not one of gentleness and graciousness, the the default response we're going to get from people is defensiveness. It's easy to be defensive when somebody tells us something that is hard about ourselves, but the gospel should be something that's transforming us. It should be removing our need to defend ourselves as as, as well as making us humble both in how we speak and in how we are able to listen and hear hard things. But as many of us know from experience, right, you can say the right things and you can say it in the best way possible and it can still go badly. That's because harnessing the power of our tongue involves not just being discerning about what we say and how we say it. It has to do with when we speak as well. Proverbs 15, 23, a person they find joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? Over the years of being married, I have found that the wrong time to talk to my wife about anything, just anything at all, is either early in the morning or right after our kids go to bed. Because she's exhausted at both of those times of the day, right? 
It is, it, is a, it is always a terrible idea to have any kind of meaningful conversation at those times of the day. You might be different. That's just what I've learned about her. The right time for her is after she's taken a nap, or even better, after I've taken the kids for a morning. She's had just some space to rest. A timely word, it is important. But the other thing I've learned from Hannah about a timely word is that a timely word is not the same thing as a quick response. A timely word is not the same thing as a quick response. It's often a word that you return to after you've had time to think about it. That might be an apology, or might be a discussion, or might even be a spiritual conversation that you were having with a friend, and you've been thinking about what they were saying, and it, it finally hits you a day later what you wish you would have said. Sometimes a timely word is coming back to a conversation and said, I've been thinking a lot about what we were saying or what you said. That feels really risky, because none of us like want to come across like that paranoid person who's just playing stuff over and over and over in their head. Uh, but the reality is, is like we all think about stuff. <laughs> Even as extroverts, we think about the stuff that we say sometimes. And so bringing it back up like in a way that is gracious or coming back to a conversation, sometimes a timely word is about just giving space like a day and coming back to something like that. Lastly, Proverbs shows us that harnessing the tongue is... Is not just about being discerning about what we say and how we say it and when we say it, but most importantly, harnessing the power of the tongue is about understanding why we speak. So we've studied Proverbs. I've tried to highlight and emphasize how everything in Proverbs keeps coming back to the heart. Proverbs 4.13 says it this way, Guard your heart, for from it flows everything you do. That includes what we say, our words Include what we say, what our hearts love and worship. They drive what we do and what we say. Luke 6.45, Jesus himself, he reiterates this truth. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another translation says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, what we say is an outworking of what's going on in our hearts. So the truly wise question that we need to be asking all the time is this, what is driving what I am saying? What, what is driving what I want to say? What's behind it? What's going on in my heart? What's the thing that, my, that I'm loving most? What's the thing I'm caring most about? What's the thing that I am valuing most that's driving the words that I am saying? That's driving that, the tone and the posture of what I am saying? That's driving the when I am saying it? You see, what's going on in our heart it overflows in the words that we speak. And if we're not careful what we're going to if we're not careful about thinking about being discerning about why we speak, we're going to harness the power of the tongue for death. Cuz that's the default mode of the human heart. It's not for life. But understanding what's going on in our hearts, being discerning about the why behind what we speak, it will only take us so far. All right? Because you can realize that your heart is sick but you can also not know how to fix it, right? So the question is, how do we actually change the desires of our hearts so that our words change in turn? And the simple but yet really difficult truth is this. We need to submit to the one whose words are more powerful than ours. Do you know why words are really incredibly powerful? Do you know why they are so important? They are powerful because our God is a speaking God and his words are the most powerful thing in the universe and we've been created in his, in his image. In the beginning, God spoke, and he spoke creation into existence. 
Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus, when he spoke, people were healed. Jesus, when he spoke, the weather obeyed him. Jesus, when he spoke, dead men came walking out of their tombs. Furthermore, it's by believing the words of the gospel that we find our, that we are saved ourselves. One pastor I listened to this week, he said it this way, the gospel comes to us as an announcement in the words about Jesus. It is a proclamation that he is Lord and that he has accomplished on our behalf all that was required to save us. And when we believe the words of that announcement, we are born again into forgiveness and a new life of salvation. You see, words are powerful. Because our God is a God of words, and his words are the most powerful of all. Jesus, he exemplified what it meant. He exemplified, he showed us what it looked like to be wise with words. But more than that, John 1 tells us that Jesus is the word. The only way for us to become wise is to submit ourselves to Jesus, to, to the word. But more than that, to, the, to the, what that word, to what he speaks about us. You see, in no uncertain terms, the Bible says that Jesus is God, that he is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life, that all wisdom, that all truth, that, that it's all found in him. The Bible also reminds us about what Jesus, the word, says about us, that we are sinners who through faith in him become saints, that we were enemies, but through faith in him, we are now children and friends. Jesus' words remind us that we were lost and alone, but in him we are dearly loved, cherished, and prized. Jesus' words about us remind us that we are guilty, but in him we are forgiven. His words remind us that we were condemned, but in him we are made righteous. You see, it's only when when we believe the word about Jesus... And the words that he speaks about us, about our identity in him, that our hearts will be transformed and that that we'll actually be able to become wise. You see, Ephesians 4, it tells us the way that we grow up, the way that we become wise, says that we do that by speaking the truth in love. Whenever you heard about those verses, it doesn't mean just say hard things to people because they need it. Speaking the truth in love means speaking Jesus to one another. A few verses later, it says the truth, it's found in Jesus. So when Paul is writing to the Ephesians, he says, the way you grow up is to speak the truth in love. He's saying, the way you grow up is by speaking Jesus, by speaking the words about him to others, by speaking his words about us to others. You see, the truth that's found in Jesus is the better word that we need spoken over us. It's the word that roots out the the false words and the lies that have been spoken to us. It it roots out the the beliefs that we have that that turn us towards sin. It it roots out all those things. You see, the truth that found in Jesus is the better word that we need spoken over us. And the truth that is found in Jesus is the better word that we need to speak to others. In communion, what we're doing is we're remembering that Jesus, the word, that he became flesh. And we take the bread together, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves and each other that Jesus' body was broken for us as in wisdom. He skillfully lived the life that we should have but did not so that we could be credited with his righteousness, with his perfectly lived wisdom, with his perfectly wise tongue. When we take the drink together, what we're doing is reminding ourselves and each other that Jesus' blood was shed for us as he paid the penalty our sin deserved, as he, for the destruction that our tongues have caused that our words that have been harnessed for the power of death have caused. 
As we take communion, what we're doing is we're, we're remembering that Jesus, the Word, that He is the Word, but more than that, we're remembering and celebrating how His words about us change everything about who we are. You see, it's the gospel that changes us from sinners to saints, but it's the gospel that continues to change us as well. As we know the gospel more, as we apply it more and more to every part of our lives, we increasingly come to reflect the image and the character of God, and that's what being wise means. Being wise is about reflecting God's image and his character in every area of our lives. So communion, it's in the back. You go when you're ready. You dip the juice in the cup and you celebrate and remember all that Jesus has done and and what he now says about you and how that changes who you are if you've put your faith in him. And as you do, I just encourage you, ask God, take time, ask God to show you where he is calling you to harness the power of the tongue, to harness the power of your tongue. Maybe like me this morning, you've been realizing that you speak too much or you speak without thinking that you delight in airing your own opinions instead of listening to others. Or maybe you're on the flip side, and you don't speak enough. You don't speak when you should, and that comes out of you caring most about what people think rather than about what the Lord thinks. And so you're crippled by fear, and so you're not able to say hard things. You're not able to speak the truth about Jesus into people's lives because you're too afraid of what they will think. Or maybe... You know that you need to harness the power of the tongue, but you have been trying to do it on your own, in your own power, in your own strength, with whatever method or tips or tricks you've been trying to use. I just need you to hear this. Independence is the same thing as rebellion when it comes to God. Independence is the same thing as rebellion because both of them are saying, God, I don't need you. You see, some of us, we need a humble heart to, to be able to acknowledge that we need God. We need him to be the one to change our hearts so that our words change in turn. I know that on my own, my words will destroy. And it's in the midst of those moments when I'm tempted to let, the, to let my tongue just fly off, to speak rashly or to speak harshly. It's a reminder that I need God, to, that I need his spirit to calm my heart so that I might listen and speak his words instead of my own. This morning, as you turn from sin, put your faith in the one who is greater than all of our sin. Ask him to speak his words of life over you so that you would be able to speak those words of life to others. We don't just do that to get brownie points with God, but we do it for our joy. We do it for the good of others. But most of all, we do it for God's glory that he might be worshipped, that he might be glorified, that he might be enjoyed, that he might be seen as beautiful in everything. For those things, let us learn to harness the power of the tongue. Let's pray. Jesus, we just come to you this morning and we just say we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for the way that your word has spoken life to us, that has given life to us. We We are so grateful that the words you speak, they bring life and they give life. And and God, we are so grateful that we've been created in your image. And if we put our faith in you and the gospel, then then we're being renewed into your image so that we might speak like you and that the the character of our words and what what characterizes who we are and what we say would increasingly reflect who you are. God, and so we just say we, we, we need you to be the one that transforms our hearts. 
that causes you to be the thing that we love most and care about most and long for most so that our words might be for the good of others, that they, were, they might, might nourish, that, they might be, that, that we might harness the power of the tongue for life instead of death. God, we just, too, we just come, we just confess. God, there have been many times that we have harnessed the power of the tongue, knowingly and unknowingly, to hurt others. God, and we just say we need your forgiveness. We know that in the gospel and the cross, you meet us in the midst of that. God, and so we just come with grateful hearts, just asking that you, just enjoying your grace and your forgiveness, but also just asking that you might empower us by your grace, that we might live for you, that we might speak your words. God, for our joy, for the good of others, and for your great glory, we pray these things. Amen.